podcast, Medicine in the Kitchen, where we empower you with simple solutions to everyday health concerns. Welcome back to Medicine in the Kitchen, episode 20. Once again, I'm Hisun. And I'm Felicia, and we're your guides to Empowered Health. Today, we're going to be talking about some costs behind acne. Many of us experience at least one of these in our lifetime. Some of us are still going through it, and most of us usually associate it with our teenage years. So, uh, we want to start with something basic. What's the difference between acne and pimples? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's start let's there. Let's dive into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, pimples and sits are actually just acne. Acne is like the umbrella term for everything that falls under it. The main one is acne vulgaris, which is an inflammation of the skin, a disorder that's characterized by pimples, blackheads, whiteheads, and a bunch of other things that I will have on the site. Because it was a long list. <laughs> Fair enough. There's a, there's a lot that it covers. Yes, it does. I did not realize all the different types. Mm-hmm. But yeah, blackheads are sebum that combine with the spank pigment and it clogs the pores. While the whiteheads are that sebum that's below the surface. And that's what gives it the white appearance. In severe cases, the uh, white, um, whitehead sebum spreads under the skin and it ruptures eventually spreading the inflammation. It usually affects people ages 12 to 40, which is kind of infuriating. I thought it was really just teenage years and a little bit of the hormonal part. But it's one of the most common skin abnormalities, and it can present anywhere that there's hair growth. This is not just a cosmetic thing, as it has strong impacts on self-esteem as well, which we will talk about later. So acne lesion is often called pimples or sits, and they're symptoms of the condition that develops when the oils from the spacious gland and dead skin cells combine to plug the hair follicles. I feel like that's a good summary of the the science behind acne. Yeah, and I I think you covered with acne vulgaris. I feel like the most common things people deal with are uh, blackheads, whiteheads, and then like the more um, cystic big pimples that we'll sort of talk about later. And you mentioned a good point with like the age range of acne because I can't even tell you the number of times I've heard someone in their 40s be like, I'm the only one who gets acne at this age. Like no one else does. supposed to be in your teenage years. And every time I hear that, it's like, I just heard that last week. So (laughs) no, you're not the only one. No, and you know, I figured originally... It was your teenage years and maybe mid-20s. You still get some because, I don't know, hormones were balancing out or whatever. Or maybe just, you know, trash eating at university. That's like, you know, I was like, yeah, that, that's it. Never again. Yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think acne is an important way of your skin telling you what's going on on the inside. Yes, 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 yes. And like... We, when we talk about acne, it's good to talk about the causes behind it because it's like the acne, I find, itself. I mean, yes, it comes with like self-esteem issues and it's, it's on your face. So your face is very much how you present yourself to the world. So there's a lot, there's a lot around that. And I find that people are usually like hyper-focused on the skin and it looks bad and I need to fix it. Um, but there's always a, a reason for it. Like there's, there's usually a cause behind it. That's... Yeah, yeah. It's just 
it's a symptom. It's not the root cause generally. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Much more concise. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I like the way you're explaining it. But like the one that we usually know of is hormones. And that's because, again, we're talking about it during our teenage years. Mm Hmm. Yeah, so that's a big one. And I, I find those hormones tend to go with the more cystic acne. That so the ones that are harder and when you touch them, they actually feel kind of painful? Yeah, exactly. And I also tend to find that hormonal acne centers more around like the jaw and chin. Yes, and sometimes even the back and chest. Yes, exactly. And yeah, and usually when it, when it comes to hormones, the the best way i think to regulate hormones is well first of all to figure out what's what's setting your hormones off whether it's stress or diet or maybe you're on medication usually the root of hormonal problems is around the liver so focusing on clearing the liver and making it more efficient at processing hormones is usually a good approach i also found that like while teen acne does flare up in the upper body and the face when it's adult acne it generally is mostly just hormonal because it's chin and jaw and they can be a little bit more painful than what the acne you used to have Mm -hmm. and of course like when we're talking about hormonal stuff women usually tend to have more of a flare-up because of our menstrual cycles yes that's true and oral contraceptions with high progesterone also cause the breakouts So for those who use oral contraceptives, just be cautious of that. Yeah, and and that's a good that's a good point is um the like paying attention to your menstrual cycle in general. Because a lot of the time women who have hormonal acne will notice changes around their period. So whether it's a breakout before their period or a breakout after their period or during, there's Mm -hmm. There's usually an association there. And you brought up another good point about oral contraceptives. So I know they're sometimes prescribed for acne, which I don't love because it's very much a Band-Aid solution. Exactly. My feelings, because every time I see somebody, they're like, oh, yeah, and I took this for acne. Or I hear young kids, I'm like, I'm just going to go on the pill because of acne. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, because like... It's important to realize that the pill is messing with your hormones. It's, it's changing your hormones. That's why your period will change when you start taking the pill. And that's such a temporary solution because maybe the acne will be gone while you're on the pill. But then once you stop it, especially if you want to have kids, then... It's all going to catch up to you. Exactly. And usually with more with more issues because now you're having to get your hormones at a point where you can get pregnant if that's something that you want. Yes. And I mean, like as a teenager, you're going to break out because your hormones are a little whacked right now. They are trying to, you know, reach the certain point they have to reach and then balance themselves out. It's going to happen. You just have to be like, okay, what else can I do to help my hormones kind of balance out? Like you said, the liver, what else can I do? Which generally is 90% keeping your skin clean and having a good skin hygiene, and healthy diet. Really mm-hmm. basic. Exactly. And I, I like what you said about 
um, realizing as a teenager that, yeah, hormones are changing. Acne is kind of, it's almost like a rite of passage a little bit. I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, unless, yeah, when, when you're a teenager, I feel like I don't know of any teenager who hasn't experienced acne at some point. So just kind of realizing that and realizing that it's temporary and also that you're, not, you're like more than your skin because I find at that age where you're self-conscious about everything, having acne can, can really play a huge, it can really have a huge impact on mental health. It's detrimental a lot of the time. And I know like for women, there's not much we can do with our whole like cycles. But with men, usually it's a sink deficiency. <laughs> so it you can balance it out with getting good supplements and other things. Drinking water, because I know this is a time when people are like, oh, it's cool to drink coffee. I'm going to start drinking coffee, which is something you should really avoid. Yeah. And like your metabolism is so high you can eat all the junk food in the world and you probably won't get that much weight but it's not healthy for you yeah your body shows you in other ways this is not this is not what we want exactly so it's the i think it's a point in time where you have to be patient with your body but you also have to start learning to listen to it exactly i love that and almost looking at acne as like a Instead of being like, oh my God, I have this pimple. This is so horrible. Maybe looking at it as, okay, what's this pimple trying to tell me? Like, do I yes. need to change something? Is there something going on in my life? Am I stressed about something? Like it's, yeah, it's learning to listen to your body and, and have start that conversation with it. Exactly, exactly. That's really what you want to do. Not so much get the band-aid solution. And hey, there are some solutions that are a bit more literally a band-aid. I know, oh, what's the band-aid brand? Stands with an and well, whatever. That band-aid brand, um, they sell little like circle patches oh. that you could put on your skin. So it's literally like a band-aid that has zinc and other stuff to stop the uh, zit from continuing its growth or speed it up so that it goes away. Interesting. My sister originally found them in Japan and she like loved them, especially because Again, we're women around our periods. We tend to have a little bit of a break here and there. So she would like be like, oh, I got to cover that up. I don't like makeup. Let's put this thing on. And it worked. And within like a day or two, it would be gone. And so she was looking for them in Canada and she did find them. There's some at the Asian markets where you usually will find more of them. But regular um, like shoppers and stuff like that, they do have them. I don't know if they're in the Band-Aid section or the skin care section because I never actually bought them. But there are, like I said, little band-aid solutions versus taking the pill or other hormonal stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. And there are a lot of, like, topical herbs, herb things that you can do as well, like, like creams and things like that, which I'd say are often, depending on the cause, yes. are... are can be a bit of a Band-Aid solution, too, if something internal is going on. But, yeah, hey, like, that's a better Band-Aid than changing your hormones for an indeterminate amount of time. Because, I mean, what are you going to do when you're... I mean, yes, I know that, you know, menopause and whatever, you won't eat the pill. But your hormones are still going to be a little crazy. And then you're going through another moment of your hormonal crisis. So... 
-hmm. is it really worth it exactly and not to mention like other side effects from being on the pill like vitamin um, b deficiency um and also like when you're changing your hormones for that amount of time it changes your risk for things like cancer osteoporosis like it it adds up and it screws around with your metabolism a little bit usually you gain a bit more weight Mm-hmm. And of course, we will talk about contraceptives in another thing because Alicia and I had a lovely talk. And well, she knows my hatred for the shop, but like there is so much, so much. Yes, there's a lot to talk about there. So yeah, we'll but definitely yes. do another episode on that. Um, but yeah, other causes of acne. So I feel like I've mentioned stress a couple times. Oh, stress is a cause for everything exactly it really is and and i i always feel like i have to make this disclaimer when i talk about stress that like stress is inevitable like life is going to bring stress it's all about how you manage it and if you're not if you don't have good um, coping strategies in place then your body kind of finds a way to cope with it and that might be through acne, for example. We all put stress in different parts of our body, and however that affects that organ, it will be reflected on your skin. Exactly. There was one that I really wanted to talk about because it's something that is very common, especially right now with healthcare practitioners or anybody who's out there wearing masks a lot. It's called acne mechanica. So it was usually just associated with like sports because of the heat and the friction of certain... Mm. like a sportswear or gear, it would rub against the skin and cause the pressure and it will start creating like little, little sits, little pimples here and there, or more of a rash, kind of somewhat similar to psoriasis, depending on how your skin reacts to it. But now with the masks, you're having a similar reaction around the nose or the mouth area where the mask is constantly placed. And for some people, even behind the ears because of the rubbing of the little loops. Mm -hmm. there's not much you can do about that acne except like keep your skin clean before you put it on avoid the makeup if you're using a reusable mask make sure you wash it with fragrance-free detergent and don't like obviously reuse it right away kind of thing like have have spares so that you can always have a clean mask and if you're using one of those surgical masks that are disposable do not reuse those I know sometimes they can be expensive, but do not reuse them. And at the back of your ear is the part that's being injured. You can get like the attachments where it's not, the loops don't hold onto your ear so that you can have like these little buttons and then like a headband thing that goes in the back of your head so that the loops are attached to the buttons Mm -hmm. and it will protect your ears. And make sure you use a good um, moisturizer because that moisture will provide like lubrication and it won't allow for the rug burn feeling. Yeah, those are all amazing suggestions. Because honestly, there's really nothing else you can do with that. It's not your diet. It's not hormones. It's mainly just the trapping of the oils, the bacteria, and then the rubbing from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And I think the moisturizer point is a really great one too. Because like having that sort of oil barrier on your skin will kind of, like you said, reduce the friction and, and also kind of add a protective layer to your skin, especially if you can use like um, 
Yeah, like anything with like a with a natural oil in it. So whether it's coconut oil, castor oil, or even like something with a skin healing property. So like if you have a moisturizer with calendula in it or chamomile in it, that just I like rosehip personally, but rosehip is amazing too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and rosehip oil would be like simple and easy and like one ingredient. And honestly, you can buy the vials at any store and you can keep it in like your purse, your lunch bag, whatever, and you can add it when you need it and it won't clog up your pores. Totally. And I, I think another good point to make about the masks is wearing them kind of only when necessary and like talking to someone who can like explain when that is because I I find it can be easy to just like like it's great that people are wearing their masks and, and they get it on and they they kind of keep it on but like like when you're driving in your car for example and you're by yourself you don't really need to wear a mask and just like making sure you're giving your skin a break when it's not necessary to wear a mask. Of course, if it's like the people that you're with in the car that are like in your family and you're living with them, usually it doesn't matter. But if there's a stranger or a friend that you are not supposed to be with in a close space, yes, you kind of wear the mask. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. The other thing about masks too is not even just around the the areas that they touch the skin, but you, which I guess would be the more acne mechanica that you're getting. But mm-hmm. you could also get acne vulgaris just because of the moisture. The moisture and and like your breath is kind of concentrated in this area here, so there could be a buildup of bacteria, which is another cause of acne that we haven't really touched on yet. That's true. And that's why, like, they suggest, you know, always have a clean mask and wash your face. Because if you can eliminate as much of the bacteria that's already on your face, you're trying to, like, minimize it. Yes, you can't avoid the ones that are going to be coming out of your mouth and nose as you're breathing or talking, but... Mm-hmm. I'm almost wondering if, like, a, a probiotic cream, too, would be helpful for someone who is finding they're having a lot of um bacterial acne and bacterial acne too is is i feel like pretty distinguishable from like hormonal acne or of course or that yeah it's more of like the whiteheads or blackheads that you were talking about that you'll see with bacterial acne i was gonna say i think it's lavender right that it's also like an antibiotic an antiseptic yeah i mean Lavender is usually used in like the, I feel like in the essential oil form. Yes. Um, and any essential oil really has antimicrobial properties. But that, that one specifically is like good for the skin and it has antimicrobial properties. So that might so be you. Exactly. I was thinking maybe like a mix of the, let's say the vial of rosehip and you bring in some lavender uh, essential oil and you mix it together and then you can put it on your face mm-hmm. especially around that area 
I mean, unless you're allergic to lavender, you can look for a different one. But at least that way, it will kind of cover for both the, the rubbing and the bacteria. Yeah, not to mention it would smell amazing and make you feel like calm all day. Especially for the people that don't like the mask and they feel like it's suffocating them. That mm-hmm. might relax you a bit. Yeah. But there was another thing that I was looking at. So other factors that affect acne are like it can be hereditary, oily skin or dry skin. We already talked about the hormonal balance and the menstrual cycle. And I found that candidiasis is also one of them as it can affect how your gut system works if it's overpopulating it, as well as allergies, stress that we mentioned, and certain drugs, special steroid drugs, obviously, because of the hormones. Lithium and some anti-epileptic drugs. I don't know why the like the anti-epileptic drugs do anything, but uh, stress. I get allergies. I understand because it affects your system. It creates a more of an inflammatory response everywhere. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess it depends on which anti-epileptic drugs and their mechanism of action. Like I feel, I feel like. When it comes to medicating epilepsy, those, those drugs tend to be pretty intense. So they probably have side effects. Well, other ones that I found, which I guess it's more towards well, what I've always known as cleaning out your bucket, right? So it might be more of the um, your bucket's already full, so your body's just reacting kind of thing. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> It's the exposure to certain pollutants, so like machine oil, coal, or tar derivatives, and chlorinated hydrocarbons, which are often seen in dry clean products. And also you have obviously the dust and oil and grime from pollution that can clog your pores, but that one's easily dealt with if you have a good like skin routine. Don't use obviously harsh chemicals on your skin, but if you have something that's good, it usually takes care of that part. But the other pollutants, you just have to be cautious of how well you clean out your bucket so you can manage it out. Yeah, I like that. Um, there's a couple things I want to comment on there. Sure. So the, I'll get back to the cleaning the bucket in a second. But you mentioned a good point about skincare routine. And I feel like that's really important. But I, I almost feel like most people overdo it with the skincare yes. um, and my advice there would be like the simpler the better um yeah i don't know i don't know how you feel on skincare routine but i feel like maybe cleansing once a day maybe twice if you're exposed to like a lot of bacteria while you're sleeping usually i would just say wash your face at the end of the day same here um and with like a gentle cleanser as well like nothing harsh some sometimes like people who don't wear makeup and and don't spend too much time out in like a in a big city or, or anything like that sometimes i'll even tell them to only wash with a cleanser once a week and use water the rest of the time and maybe a toner um but yeah not not overdoing it like washing with a cleanser before bed and maybe a toner and a moisturizer in the morning sort of thing 
um, I think is probably as... I mean, that's one of the... Yours is a little bit more intense than what I, I usually recommend for most people. Mm-hmm. And even for myself. But, like, I like yours. Yours is really, like, it keeps it simple, easy, and not too harsh. Like you said, wash it, your face, like, once a day. Again, if a pillow is really nasty, I guess, twice. But um, I probably recommend cleaning the pillow first before. Oh, yeah, me too. But <laughs> Before washing the face. But, you know, some sometimes people don't really have time to, to wash their pillows, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But... Yeah, just a mild, gentle cleanser or a very... There's some soaps. I forget the brand, but there's so specifically for, like, the face. So it's super gentle. And you can just use that for your face, rinse it off, and have a good moisturizer. My moisturizer generally does have, like, good fats and, like, the rosehip and sometimes lavender. Mm-hmm. And I put that on at night because I know that's when, like, our body's restoring itself. So I feel like that's when... It should, like, moisturize. Obviously, in the winter, I do tend to add moisturizer to my face before I go out. Mm-hmm. Well, in the morning before I go out, because my face would technically still be clean, quote-unquote. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it's it's good to have some bacteria on your face. Like, it's um, it's actually... Not all bacteria is bad for you? Exactly. Um, so when we talk about bacteria causing acne, um, that's that's more when you're getting too much of a bacteria that shouldn't be there. And like, like I think it's important to recognize that we have bacteria on our skin all the time, and it's actually a really good thing because the more different bacteria you have on your skin, the less of a chance you have of getting a certain bacteria wreaking havoc sort of thing so yeah it's it's actually a good thing not to have super clean skin it's just when we talk about more of the non more of the things that are not really natural like makeup or pollution building up on your skin that's the those are the kinds of things we want to wash off and also well, we elim- eliminate toxins via sweat. So there's always going to be like other stuff, residue on our body. So it's, we want to clean that out. But I mean, you still need some of the bacteria, right? Yeah. Yeah. The sweat is a, is a good point because when you sweat, like you said, that's your body's way of eliminating things that you don't want in your body. So you probably don't want those things on your body either. Um, so you like, but even just rinsing with water usually cleans that out. So that's, yeah, that's where it's kind of, yeah, showering after you work out or washing your face after you've like, really showering after you've sweat a lot is a good, is a good plan. In general. (laughs) In general, if you're sweating, go shower. It's fine. Exactly. Um... Yeah, because like as I was reading, it was talking about like how, like we mentioned before when we did the skin episode, the skin is like the largest organ, so it does have a huge role in elimination, plus other things, and that some people view it as the third lung or third kidney of the body, because whatever toxins your body is dealing with, and if it's overloading other of the organs, the skin will take responsibility for it, 
and it mm. will try to pull it out. And so as it's pulling it out, it, the integrity of the skin kind of like gets disrupted. And that's when we get all those wonderful skin conditions. Mm-hmm. And that's such a good point because I usually, I feel like the skin, like you said, is kind of like the, it takes on the overflow and it's, it's usually the last stop. So if you're having a skin issue, there's a good chance, unless it's been caused by like something ex- external like bacteria or something like that, but I'd say like 99% of the time. Um, the if you're having a skin issue, there's something else happening with one of your organs of elimination. Um, and I think we're going to do another episode on organs of elimination at some point. But I mean, we have to. Yeah, exactly. Um, but just just so everyone knows, the organs of elimination are the liver, which we kind of talked about. Um, the kidneys, the digestive system, the respiratory system, and then the skin. And like I said, the skin is usually, actually, I almost feel like the skin is the first stop and the last stop because it's like the barrier to the outside world mm-hmm. and also the pushing things out into the outside world that haven't been pushed out in another way. And I feel like you pretty much listed them almost in order. Because I think the gut's usually the first thing that tells you something's up. And then the other ones, and then the last two are always like lungs and, and skin. Mm-hmm. So like whenever you see something going on with your body and it's showing up in your skin, the first place you want to kind of target is generally the gut. Mm-hmm. And if the gut's healed and things are still showing up, then you start targeting the other organs. And you're like, okay, let's figure this out. Yeah, exactly. And like we talked about stress and stress can really play a role in all of that because it makes less room for those organs to like calmly properly function like we talked a lot last week about the parasympathetic and the sympathetic states and when you're stressed you're more in that sympathetic or fight or flight state and that in that state that's when your digestive system gets less, I I was about to say energy, but like less blood flow and all of that. So it's working less well. Your liver and kidneys are not working as well. Your respiratory system is not working as well because you're not taking deep breaths. So, yeah. It's mainly just focus on like the muscle because you need that boom to fight, but parasympathetic, take care of the rest. That would be when you're in the sympathetic state and then like you said parasympathetic you're like calm and your body's like okay now i can do things properly i don't have to worry about running Mm -hmm. i don't know how else we can say like you're holding a bunch of fine china and you're trying to run that would be kind of like the sympathetic oh i like that analogy and then like the parasympathetic is you only have to carry about maybe two or three pieces of fine china and you can like slowly walk without it just breaking or something. Yeah, your, your fine china got me thinking of like teacups and tea sets. So it's like exactly. almost, almost like when you're in the sympathetic, you're trying to run and also drink tea. You're probably yeah. going to end up spilling all the tea. 
Whereas if you're like calm and sitting and like drinking tea, that's going to happen properly. Things won't go anywhere and you don't have to burn yourself or your tea won't get too cold, whatever. Exactly. You have the time for that tea. (laughs) Yes. So if you're stressed, like we said, stress is inevitable, but find ways to have tea breaks. Yes. And you wanted to talk about the emotional component of acne. Did you have anything more aside from like the self-esteem? Yeah, so I think I think I that's the main thing is the the self-esteem part and not even cuz we kind of focused on the teenage years. But mm-hmm. even like I've I've talked to like um 50 and 60 year olds that still experience acne and are like really stressed about what that looks like and how it affects how they present themselves in the world. And there's, yeah, I find, I find people, especially people who have struggled with chronic acne for a really long time. There's always, there's always an emotional component there. And, um, yeah, it's important to address that because I find it it can be easy to like hyper focus on the physical acne that you see and like I have to get rid of these bumps. But kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, what are these bumps telling me? Why are they still here? Um, is there something I missed? Is there is there something in my life I'm not addressing? And do I like how I present myself in the world? Um, is this kind of trying to show me something about loving myself? Like there's, there's so many layers in there and I find that it, it can be missed, especially like people who have gone to a dermatologist for however many years and have tried infinite numbers of topical antibiotics, have taken oral antibiotics, maybe have done Accutane, um, and st- are still experiencing acne, that's usually, for me, an indicator like there's something deeper going on and let's, let's talk about the emotional component because usually they, they really haven't um, been asked or addressed that emotional component. Yeah, take all that stressful energy from just, oh my God, I have another zit, to like managing where it is affecting you. What can you do to actually improve your life so that your skin reflects that. Mm-hmm. Or like oh. even if there's, mm-hmm. if there's an emotional thing that you haven't explored and your body's trying to tell you like, we need to deal with this, maybe trauma you've experienced or resentment that you have, like there's, I find there's, there's usually a piece there too. My teachers always talked about the physical bucket, but I feel there's also the emotional bucket that, you know, you get to a certain point, And that emotional bucket is kind of full. And so you start overreacting or back to the tea analogy. My yoga instructor actually says you are sitting with a cup of tea. If somebody comes and pushes you off your mat and your tea spills, or will it stay in your cup? How will you react? Like the tea is your emotions. If it's too much and somebody just comes over and pushes you, are you stable enough to make sure the teacup doesn't move too much and the tea doesn't spill? Or are you 
like too much in, in your own world that you are not that stable and your tea spills. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I'm liking the tea analogies today. I guess we're just going to have to go have a nice cup of tea after this. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, um, yeah, if you have a lot of, a lot of undealt with emotions, it's, yeah, like a, like a full cup of tea and even just like jiggling that tea cup a little bit, it's going to spill. Whereas if your teacup is not almost overflowing and then it'll be easier to kind of manage without spilling it mm-hmm. I like that and i was looking at some of my are you better texts and i was talking about emotions as well like we were talking about and how we all experience them and, and it got me thinking of the other episode we did i'm like yes these emotions might be negative but we can turn them into something positive uh the main thing was observe and release so for the example they used was anger so they talk about how anger everybody feels it but what you do is you can express it just don't over express the emotion observe it from the beginning to the end and learn its true nature why is the anger there where did it actually come from was it just this current situation or was it something that was building to this moment that i just overreacted in and let it go you just have to make sure you let it go and you don't repress it, which is something that we were taught to do as kids in a way, because we were never, it was never right to show those bad emotions, right? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, because yeah, like, like you're saying, as kids, we were told, uh, don't like calm down when you're angry. Um, but I think it's, it's, I feel like we talked a little bit about this with Angelica too in our relationship episode. Like it's, it's important to express those emotions before they become a full overflowing teacup. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and finding healthy ways to express the anger too. Cause I find it's, it's a lot easier said than done. Like let it go. But I, I find sometimes let it go can become okay I'm just not going to deal with this and I'll repress it and that's letting it go but that's really not letting it go because it's still in there and then that's when you start internalizing it and it causes other problems so and that's what I was going to get to like how it once you internalize it what organs it affects so like anger affects the liver Mm -hmm. the kidneys affected by fear and the heart and the spleen are by greed and possessiveness are they the same in Chinese medicine? I was just going to say, oh, you're, you're getting good with the Chinese medicine. But it's already read it. When I was reading, I was like, I'm pretty sure Felicia and I have talked about this. And they're almost the exact same. Yeah. So the spleen and heart are different. Spleen in Chinese medicine is pensiveness. And the heart is joy. Well, I guess the opposite of joy would be more sadness than greed. And that's the lungs in Chinese medicine. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. But these well, are the ones that I found, so. It's, it's cool when there are, like, connections, because, like, these two forms of medicine were developed, like, in, like, away from each other. So it's cool that they have some similarities. 
which just makes you really wonder, like, at least for the kidney and liver, I trust that. I'm like, there's more than one source. Exactly. Exactly. Another question to ask if you're having acne, is there something you're not expressing? And I feel like that's, that's hard to explore without having someone to explore it with. Because I find, like, I know myself, like, repressed anger, like, things that I've repressed, I'm often not even aware of until I get, like, a third, until I get another perspective. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I haven't dealt with that. That is very true. Like, going, like, introspection is really, really hard. Because sometimes we lash out or we do things but we think we're being rational about it. And then somebody comes and is like, yo, you overreacted. It's just a cookie or something. Yeah. And sometimes it's really helpful because like uh, when, when you overreact to something or you get angry, like a lot of the time the people around you will kind of get caught up in that emotion with you. It's, it's, hard not to unless you've done like a lot of meditation and you're like pretty zen but it's super helpful to like be around someone when that happens who's like okay wait what's actually going on here are you actually mad about the cookie or is there something else going on and like yeah that's that's super helpful to have I know we're like tangenting with the emotion part but I feel like because you're expressing that your teacup is already full it triggers the other person's teacup and it's just you're training yeah. each other back and forth. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. So like you keeping your teacup from overflowing is not only helping you, but it's helping other people. And oh, oh my God, this, this analogy can even go further in that if you have extra room in your teacup, it's easier to help someone else empty out their teacup a little bit. Just make sure you clean out your teacup. Don't don't keep that in your teacup. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love I love these teacup analogies. This is gonna be called the pimple and teacup. <laughs> so I mean, another can be solved with tea. <laughs> A lot of tea, apparently. <laughs> Which actually is not wrong because green tea does have antioxidant properties and different teas can be used on the skin to calm it down. Yes, that is so. It, yes, it is right. It's kind of on topic. Mm-hmm. Tea can help with stress, yes. hormones, yes, bacteria. Really, tea is your solve for everything. There we go. We solved all the acne problems with tea. <laughs> uh, if only um, that easy. No, it never will be. <laughs> Another thing that the Ayurveda was talking about was because we are burning certain organs you need to learn how to like purge whatever it is that's the way they describe it but then again it's like what we were talking about cleaning out or making sure that your diet's healthy enough so that your organs are not being burdened and they can heal kind of like what we talked about in the alkaline and acidic diet mm-hmm. yeah which also brings you to like the food allergies and intestinal yeast growth because all the toxins that are created by the yeast in your body can be absorbed by like the biotoxins get absorbed in your gut and goes into your body which gets released in your skin 
And mm-hmm. I know that candidiasis can cause hormonal changes and encourage the liver so that it doesn't, well, like the liver gets overpowered and does not handle the hormones that well. And it also uh, the substances in the sebum gets altered so that it's not as nice producing as it should be. Mm-hmm. Like you get more bacteria that clogs up. It's not as fluid. I mean, this part is more Jorah's area of expertise because she's all about the skin. But mm-hmm. We'll have to talk to her about it when she comes back. Yes. Um, but yeah, you, you made another good point there about diet. I feel like I'm hoping it's not the case anymore with anyone, but I feel like there was a time when it was like, I mean, I know I heard it from my dermatologist and family doctor, but there was a time where it was being said that diet had nothing to do with acne and the two were related. That is absolutely not true. I'm like, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. But you did it, and I'm like, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that so many times. Yeah, and it's like, that is completely so far from the truth. Like, I think now we have actual research to back that up, too. So I don't think it's said anymore. Like, I think, at least, like, I know my family doctor and dermatologist have since changed their views on that. Um, Thank God. Yeah, um, but it yeah, diet has such a big role in your skin, as we talked about like the digestive system and all that. I think where that resistance might have been coming from was it's really hard to make dietary changes sometimes, and it might feel easier to just take a pill. Um, but yeah, diet, I've seen it in like myself, family members, patients, diet makes a huge difference in your skin. Water and diet is like huge. huge. Literally food is medicine. Yes. It is whatever you're putting in your body is going to be part of your body at one point. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, that is like, yes, you can fix most of the things with food. You just have to be willing to do the change. And just like you were saying, in my family, I've seen it too. We changed our diet. I mean, when it's a drastic change, the first thing that happens, there is an outbreak because you are, your body's trying to be like, oh my God, what am I doing with this? Got to get rid of all this toxins because there's good stuff coming in. But you will see changes within 10 days depending on like what you're doing and what you're eliminating and what you're including. But for sure in three months, you can see a drastic change in most people. But for example, if you're allergic to certain things or your body cannot handle fats, for example, my mom, if she eats too much cashews, she'll start breaking out around the nose, but any other nut doesn't do that, right? Or like chocolate. So for some people, it makes them break out because of the caffeine and high fat. So you really just have to be, again, listening to your body and make sure you eat properly and have those eight glasses of water and eliminate fried foods and sugar. Those are like huge, huge issues. I mean, again, there's another whole list and I will have it on my site, but like those are the main ones you really want to avoid the sugar and the bad fats and all that stuff in processed foods. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, like you were saying, it's like the difference is so apparent when someone changes their diet from like the standard American diet, which has like lots of sugar, fats, processed foods. Um, it's called sad for a reason. Exactly, exactly. Um, but when someone makes that switch from that to like a whole food diet, like it, it takes some time, but um, I've had patients walk in and I'm like, oh my God, like just seeing them, I'm like, their skin's brighter, their eyes are brighter. They just have like more of a vitality to them. And I'm like, yes, you made the changes. Like, I don't even have to ask them. I, mm -hmm. can, I can see it. Like it's, it makes such a huge difference. And usually if you're, if you're switching a diet like that, um, I find when you're eating whole foods, you start to get more connect, like that's almost like another connection to nature because you're eating natural whole foods and it usually inspires like a whole lifestyle change. Um, so it yeah. kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, so definitely diet and acne are, are one and the same really like it's, yeah, one definitely affects the other. And I mean, it's not, it's not in all cases. Like there are some people who have a whole food diet and a really great lifestyle and still struggle with acne. So that's usually when you kind of want to start getting into the deeper issues that might be behind that. Mm -hmm. And like make sure your diet is high in vitamin B, zinc, vitamin A, C, and E. And especially like essential fatty acids in your food and supplements. Like, for example, one of the articles I was reading suggested one to two tablespoons of cold-pressed flaxseed oil is enough EFAs for the day, right? But you can also include more beans, whole grains, cooked veggies, especially if it's harder on some of your organs. Raw veggies as well, just not too much like high in fruits because of the uh, sugar content, even though they're very rich in nutrients and water. If you're trying to eliminate sugar, at least for the very beginning, minimize the amounts of fruit or choose fruits that are not as high in the glycemic index. Mm -hmm. And when you're choosing your vegetables, make sure they're ones with high oxalatic acid. So like almonds, beets, cashews, Swiss chard. But spinach and rhubarb tend to have a lot more minerals. And those are the ones that get put more in the cyst. So you want to avoid those a little bit. As well as having like whole grains and sunflower seeds because they are huge in like really rich sources of zinc. And sunflower seeds are something that you can take easily and take it anywhere. Raw nuts are like a 50-50. You want to, yes, you want to consume them, but you want to be in small amounts because they're high in protein and fat. And the mix between the two can cause a bit of an outbreak. Obviously, like, like I mentioned before, the local glycemic diet will help balance things out at the beginning. You want to avoid meat and animal products especially like like dairy the margarine oh my god please do not touch margarine <laughs> in general just do not touch that what even or, is margarine i feel like it's like a it's not a food it's just it's just not a food. food and shortening do not touch shortening <laughs> if you're going to touch one of those touch margarine not the shortening i swear and i found that like especially in the heart cysts it's 
because again, it's mineral. You want to avoid having things like iodine salt, high salt as well, but like high salt in your diet is just bad overall. So unfortunately, the kelp that I adore putting into like soups and stews and everything may not help if your diet's too, like if your cysts are more on the mineral side. So you want to lower the iodine as much as possible. And obviously avoid alcohol, caffeine, cheeses, chocolate, processed food, cacao, sometimes eggs, depending on how you react to it. But like creams, anything really rich, uh, fried foods, like I mentioned before, and hot and spicy foods because they can aggravate the gut. If you're trying to heal it, those will kind of aggravate it a bit. Well, the reasons for eliminating dairy, we mentioned it before, was in, I think in the intolerance and allergy section of our podcast. Mm-hmm. It's mainly because of that. Sugar again, well, inflammation. Um, oh, that was another thing. Fun fact. When you acne is caused to, because of really high sugar consumption, people sometimes uh, refer to it to skin diabetes, which I was like, oh, that's an interesting way of describing it. Mm. And animal products today are pumped with hormones and steroids. Yes. So it really disturbs your hormonal balance. And that's why mainly you want to eliminate as much of the animal protein or animal products from your diet. Unless you have a trusted good source. Yeah. Even in moderation. I'm not saying, you know, completely cut it out, but try to make more conscious choices about like how you, how it was sourced, what it was fed. And if you can't, because I know money wise, it's more expensive, cut it down to maybe like, one meal a day that has animal product, I guess. Yeah, and the more expensive issue, I feel like that can actually be a good thing because, like, still buy the best product, but now you can afford less of it, which you kind of should be eating anyway. <laughs> yes, I know, but I, trust me, I live with somebody that thinks humans are meant to be meat eaters, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and I think. I think especially for like teenagers struggling with acne, but really anyone, it's always easier to start introducing the foods that you mentioned that are good for the skin, as opposed to starting with cutting out foods that are not good for the skin. I mean, I'm pretty sure we can cut out the chips. Save it for when you have parties and events with your friends, but cut that out. I've seen teenagers that eat chips all day, and I'm like, that is not a food group. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I find, though, it's always, at least from my experience, it's easier to, like, add foods in, and then the the ones that shouldn't be there just sort of naturally fall out because you're just more full from eating the good foods. True. That's kind of the approach I usually take. And then once all the good foods are in, if there's still like chip snacking or like the the dairy issue, then it's like, okay, why is this still here? It hasn't fallen out naturally. Let's let's talk about it. That is another good way of doing it. I mean, for me, it was all the way like we were raised was you would eat healthy and then you would have junk food Friday. Mm. and you can eat whatever you want generally like for lunch we still had like what we brought to school and breakfast we would still have pretty healthy meals 
But for dinner, we could have something that my mom would consider junk food for, like sample pizza. Or if we had good, healthy meal, afterwards, when we were watching like movies or TV, we could have something junk foody. Or even in our lunch, we could bring a snack that was not healthy. So it could be like chips and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you kind of learn to watch what causes a reaction. So yeah. like if it's chocolate and you bro- had like break out the next day or if it was chips and you had a breakout in another part of your face or did you suddenly, you know, have to go to the bathroom a lot? What did you eat that day kind of thing? Yeah, so it's easier to make the associations there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just thinking from like a psychological perspective. Like when someone tells me I can't do something, that's the best way to get me to do something. Yes, I know, same here. You said no? Well, now I really want it. So that's that's the issue I kind of run into with like, okay, let's eliminate this. It's like, well, well, now I really want to eat that all the time. And Same whenever I do a cleanse, it's like, I want to eat it. But for like, I swear I'm a walking contradiction. But like... I have good self-control when it comes to that. Be like, I can't have it. Okay, I can't have it. I'll see it and be like, I want you. Maybe I never wanted it in my life, but it's like, I want you right now. Right? But I will not touch it. <laughs> That's good. You have you have some good self-control there. It's a struggle. It's a struggle because you're like, I want you right now. And you suddenly see it everywhere. That's the worst part. It's like you never saw it at all in your life and suddenly it's like, boom, staring you in the face. Yes exactly so that's usually why I'm like add foods in and then and then we address things if they're still sticking around after a while but also the reason why I mentioned it specifically for teenagers is because we talked about eating disorders with Ellie er earlier yes and I find I find teenagers who are really concerned about their acne there's there's always an emotional component like we talked about and that hyper-focused on the acne could end up translating to hyper-focused on eliminating foods and then it turns into they're not eating enough. Mm-hmm. So that's where usually my kind of rule is like if you're under, if you're under 18, we're not talking about eliminating foods. We're talking about adding healthy foods and taking out foods doesn't happen until depending on the case, usually between 16 and 18. Um, But yeah, but then like you said, like some, once you're an adult and you're, you're more able to kind of regulate that. um, If, like things like dairy or processed food or or meat that hasn't come from a good source. Like, yes, that all contributes to, to acne as well. So definitely. No, I like your perspective. I like how you do it. I'm more of the, like, I'm going to teach you which foods are good for you and which ones are bad. And this is the reasons why kind of thing. Yeah, I like that too. And like, you can test it out and like, while they're still young, I want them to see the effects. And I know that their hormones are raging and stuff, but they will see the effects more drastically during this period. Mm. And then they will start making more conscious choices so that when their brain actually solidifies kind of thing, you know, everything's set in stone, not really, but whatever. 
um, oh, that start thinking. Because, I mean, I've seen, like I said, I've seen my cousin eat a bag of chips for dinner, and I'm like, that's all you've been eating for the past five hours. That is really not good for you. And I, like, kind of hinted that you should probably eat something healthier, but you ain't going to listen to me. That's fine. That's fine. You'll see it. You'll see it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that, too. I guess it it comes down to what what type of person you are and like always education I think is important so I really like I like that your approach there is like give all the information and let the person make the choice yeah I like that honestly I got frustrated a lot in practice when I'm like I'm literally giving you the solution but you're not willing to take it (laughs) fine here's the education you deal with it Mm -hmm. not exactly like that but you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah, no, I I really like that approach too. Um, because yeah, at the end of the day, it's like you're not going to a holistic nutritionist or a naturopath or your family doctor or, or really anyone else for them to help you with your healing. It's you that is doing the healing. And we may be able to guide you, but you still have to do the job. Exactly. So that's where providing all the information is, is important. Mm. Giving an all roadmap. Mm-hmm. And another little fun fact. So artificial sweeteners, sits that appear on your face are generally in the cheeks and the chin. Really? Yep. Interesting. Which I was like, okay, so we should start talking about like where the organs in the face are. Cause like that makes a huge impact. I'm like, yes, it makes sense to me. Um, yeah, it's it's a great time to go into the the parts of the face. So in Chinese medicine, each part of the face corresponds to a different organ system. And are you better the same thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's super cool. Should we go through like which organs are Well we can go through really quickly. So like Oh, anybody has ever seen Lie to Me? These are also very applicable. I love Lie to Me. Just, just putting it out there. Um, yeah, yeah, I have seen that show. Do when they, it comes to the emotions, I'm like, yes. Yeah, and I remember watching that show thinking, like, this is ridiculous. You can't pick up characteristics from a person by, like, just looking at their face. But when you actually think about it, especially, like, an older person, like wrinkles, can really tell you a lot about a person. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, like if you think about it, you get wrinkles where you're making certain faces a lot. So if you're like someone who's always happy, then your wrinkle, your first wrinkles will probably be crow's feet. And it's like, oh, that's a happy person. It, it can really tell you. Honestly? That. I have the book for, um, well, not Lie to Me, The Science Behind Lie to Me, mm-hmm. which is super interesting, and we applied it in one of my psychology classes. My sister still reads, she, like, loves it, so she's the one that mostly has the book. I haven't finished it because she has it. But there are times when, like, you look at that, and then you map it out to, like, the Chinese medicine or the Ayurvedic face reading, and you're like, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Where exactly you're holding certain emotions are also reflected on the organs. Mm-hmm. 
exactly. And yeah, and it's kind of, I feel like we're going to have to do an episode on face reading now. Yes, we will. Because there's a lot to talk about there. But in terms of acne, so the idea is where you're getting pimples is indicating... Probably the organ. That organ system, yeah. Yeah. So, like, some of the common areas is, like, the T-zone, which is sort of the liver area, which we kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. We were talking also about, like, the cheeks, which are, like, the stomach, spleen, exactly. and pancreas. Exactly. And also the respiratory which is the lower part of the cheek, which, again, is part of the elimination. Mm-hmm. And the mouth and chin was the stomach and the colon, which the chin and the jawline are also hormones, again, where you mostly see a lot of the zits and pimples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so acne doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can tell you all sorts of things, and it can be like... Uh, I, I like looking at it as like a warning sign, like, okay, this is your warning to look within, see what's going on. You weren't picking up on the other signs. Here you go. <laughs> exactly. Our body is always talking to us, and acne is just like another way of doing it. I wanted to make a point about the makeup now that I recalled. Mm-hmm. When I was at university, there was this YouTuber she made a uh, YouTube about reasons why to remove makeup and how to do it, like, gently. I will link it up on my site if I find it. But she did an excellent job at explaining how to remove makeup, which fingers to use, especially if, like, you're removing eye makeup with a, a cloth or whatever. Sometimes we use our index finger or our middle finger, which tend to put a lot more pressure and it can harm our eyes. So, like, she goes through all the details and, like, she says even if you went out partying, or whatever, and you're really, really tired, never forget to remove the makeup. And I love it. She does a really nice job, so I'm going to try to find it, to share it. But there was something else I wanted to mention as well. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's right. For people who shave, because we were talking about how zits and pimples tend to show up in areas where there's hair. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a lot more of an issue with men, especially when we're talking about, like, zits around the chin and jaw area. It suggests that you use an electric razor. However, if you do like using blades, they suggest you use the single-use ones because you don't want to drag that infection along and to always shave in the direction of hair growth. That sounds like helpful advice. I mean, aside from like, you know, don't touch your face with dirty hands, don't like pop the zit or anything like that that we all heard, there's really nothing else you can really do in that area, especially if you're going to be shaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like keeping a clean face too is comes in handy there because if you're getting pimples in that area, it's probably bacterial. I mean, get regular exercise because it manages stress and it helps your hormones balance. Good sleep will do that too. Yes, avoid steroids. Mm-hmm. Steroids on their own have a lot of harmful things, but you can do like steaming. I saw one where it was like a lavender steam which can help eliminate, because again, we're talking about the bacteria. You can use a tea tree oil right on the zits. There's witch hazel as well. There's a bunch of different things. You can start to do, like, you were talking about, like, poultice and stuff like that that are herbs-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that you can do there. So um, 
I I really like getting creative with like face masks and I'll do those like once a week. Um, and usually it'll just be like, like this week, for example, my go-to face mask. And I've actually, actually it's been a while. I've been doing this for like three weeks now because I just love it so much. Um, I take yarrow from my garden and just kind of crush it up and mix it with honey. And mm -hmm. that's my face mask. And it's been actually amazing. Like the next morning when I wake up, my sister's like, your skin looks really good today. What did you do? Oh, that's good. Yarrow face mask. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's like a simple recipe that, that people can use for, for face mask. Or there's also, like I've used yogurt before. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally just like a scoop of plain, make sure it's plain and not like one of the flavored yogurts with lots of sugar in it. Um, but plain yogurt with like lemon juice I've done before, which has been nice. Avocado is an, is a nice thing to use as a face mask. Like I just kind of experiment with, with things in the fridge and yeah, it's, it's nice. And I feel like face masks are a nice way to like address acne, but also it's like time to calm down, some time to sip your tea. Mm -hmm. The one I like is, I mean, I like to consume these ones as well, but like you can use topically is pineapple, strawberries, or grapes because they contain alpha hydroxy acid, which helps exfoliate the skin and remove the dead cells as well as removing any like clogged oil and then the glands mm -hmm. so you can literally just make a little puree in your blender and just like not really use it as a scrub but like massage it into your face and let it sit like a face mask yeah i mean pineapple has lots of enzymes so that will really clean things Ooh, up you really like pineapple eh? i feel like i feel like i don't know <laughs> it's a good it's a good fruit for like a lot of things it really is, and it's got lots of fibers. I mean, yes, it's high on the sugar, but it's got other benefits, and I'm like, whatever, the sugar can stay. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, you're way better off eating, like, an entire pineapple than, like, having a granola bar, so. You know, honestly, yes. <laughs> Have a whole pineapple, don't touch that popsicle, you're good to go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah so I feel like we pretty much covered all of the everything we wanted to anything else for you I'm pretty sure we covered almost almost everything I mean aside from that it's really just getting to the root cause talk to a healthcare practitioner yeah. and you can talk to us we can go more in detail with those things absolutely I I love getting questions about acne and I feel like you would do mm -hmm. as odd as that sounds yes we do <laughs> yeah it's true um, let us know if anybody's ever tried any of the stuff we've talked about or yeah. if you've experienced certain things and if you were one of those rare cases where you didn't get acne as a teenager let us know how that felt because that must have been amazing yeah exactly and I want to know <laughs> all about what your what your childhood was like because that yeah that's pretty amazing um, and if you are an adult like us and you're still experiencing acne, don't worry. It's fine. Just 
now that you heard all our spiel, pay a closer attention to where it is. And maybe you can try dealing with it better. Mm-hmm. And listening to it and figuring out what it's trying to tell you and realizing that you're not the only one who's not a teenager and has acne. Mm-hmm. There are lots of us out there. And I feel like we always notice our own imperfections way more than other people around us. Exactly. So keep that in mind too. Yeah, but this is this is also our last episode of the season. Yes, it is. So that's exciting. We did an entire season of 20 episodes. I'm really looking forward to the next season. Yes, exactly. So we will be back with that. And we're going to do a bit of question and answer. So if you guys have any questions that you've had throughout the season, anything that you want to talk about, send... Anything you want us to, like, review, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Or even for this episode, any, like, really cool masks that you've tried. I would love to hear about them. Maybe, Um, like, letting us know your favorite tangent. Yes, Definitely let us know your favorite tangent. Uh, Or if you, like, never want to hear us do another tangent again, (laughs) also let us know. And, yeah, we'd we'd love to hear from you and and chat about that in our first episode of Season 2. You can rate, comment, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Invite your friends to join our community and improve their health. You can follow us on our social media, Felicia Senza ND and Sweet Nutritionista. And we will be posting as frequently as we can, hopefully once a week. Thank you for joining us for making this first season so amazing and hope to see you next time. Happy healing.